0: Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Paul's Journey, and it is part of the Life of Paul Sermon series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Jason McCutcheon. For those of you that are hoping to hear um, uh, the lead pastor of our church preach today, you're going to be sorely disappointed because I'm going to be speaking. <laughs> but I wanted to just uh, give a big shout out to my dad, who's the pastor here for leading us um, which is so much grace and so much skill and wisdom. So let's give him a hand. Um, but today, we're, we're still in the series, we're still talking about the life of Paul, and, and, and honestly, like, Paul is one of my favorite biblical figures, um, not only because, like, like that dude was effective, right? He's all over the place, He's, he was killing it for the gospel, um, not, like, literally killing people, he stopped doing that when he, he became a Christian, but, um, but like, man, that's, he was so effective, and when I think about, like, the Christian life, like, Obviously, like few, if any of us, will have that level of impact on the world. But, but like, you never know, right? And, like, when you look at what he did, um, and we're going to talk about it today, this was not some rich guy. This was not some charismatic guy. He, he was a lot like us. And yet, his impact was so huge. And, and it's like, it's really all about what he was headed towards and not so much what he was. How, who he even was. And I think that's really encouraging to us, right? So so we're going to be talking about that today. And so I want to start out with a question, which is really, um, have you heard like this statement, life's a journey, right? People say life's a journey. It has a picture like that usually. like, so I'm just like You know, and it's just like, it's this thing where it's like, Like, people use it to kind of describe, like, you know, you just, like, you just lost your job, and and somebody comes up to you, and they're like, it's okay, life's a journey, it's just one stop on your journey, and you're like, but this is, like, really terrible, (laughs) it's like a really terrible stop, and, like, and, like, the thing about it is, yeah, like, life is a journey, right, it's a sequence of events, and that's what a journey is, but, like, you know what the end of a journey is? Like, a destination, like, we call that being a vagrant, if you're just... (laughs) Like, nobody has, like, oh, you know, you should just roam around with no goals and no plan. Like, the, like what makes the journey meaningful is the destination, right? And, and I want to illustrate that for you a little bit. Because what if it said, like, life's a journey to student loan or to student loan debt, right? Some of you guys are like, that's my journey, <laughs> right? But, like, no, nobody goes, like, I want to go to school because I just want a bunch of student loan debt. You know, I want to I just... You know, I just want to have like 20%, 30% of my bills just be debt. That's what I want. No, nobody says that. What they say is, life's a journey to a fulfilling and productive career. So you're going to go like, I actually don't care about this debt. It's totally worth it. I get to do something I love. I have a really great career. And I'm grateful for this student loan debt because it's allowed me to do what I love to do. Right? Nobody says like, life's a journey to a series of dead end relationships, that wastes 10 years of your life. You know, just, I'm just going to date a bunch of people. And then, like, I'm going to think it's going to go well. And we're feeling like we're about to get married. And then we're just going to break up in a really tragic way. And I'm just going to do that, like, four or five times. And that's going to be great. It's like, no, no. But people say life's a journey to a wonderful and stable home and family. Right? So, like, if I was to tell you, like, hey, all the losers that you dated, for those of them that are married... Like, they were worth it to get to your spouse, right? The lessons that you learned, the, the journey that you went on, like, you don't go like, man, I've, honey, I like being married to you, but I kind of wanted to, like, get dumped a few more times. <laughs> like, that would have been, no, like, the purpose of dating people and going through all those situations was you were headed towards something. You were searching for something. Maybe you didn't know it was marriage, but when you got it, you realized it, right? You were like, this is what I wanted all along this journey, this destination. You know, uh, this one might hit a little close to home. Uh, life's a journey to singing weird songs with a crowd of people about being covered by someone else's blood leading into a potluck and small group. <laughs> like, nobody's like, oh man, I haven't sung enough song about having someone's blood poured on me this week. Like, I need to go to this event on Sunday and sing a couple songs about that and then we'll have a potluck. You're like, what? It sounds like a cult. Doesn't good. No, that's church. <laughs> no, the reason you would say life's a journey to authentic purpose-driven relationships centered around Jesus that become like family. That's why you go to church. You don't go to church for the things that you do in the service. You don't go to the church for the journey. You go for the destination the destination of having people, even the destination of learning something. You don't be like, I just want to hear a person talk at me for 45 minutes. And that's what I'm into. Some of you guys maybe, but not me. <laughs> um, have you guys ever went on like an ill-fated journey? Like, like you just went somewhere and then you were like, this was not what I thought it was going to be. This is not. Good. So I remember as a kid, you know, like when I got out of high school, I mean, I guess I was a kid, but went to master's commission, and then I was like, I'm gonna, like, all throughout high school, I played in bands, and, and I, like, to me, that was the ultimate dream, right, is to tour around and play hardcore metal, and I love that stuff, and so, um, I got invited to join a tour immediately, like, literally, I was home for three days from, from school after, like, um, college, I guess you could call it college that I went to, and, and we went on tour, and like, we were like, we are going to be this huge band. Everything's going to be great. And I can remember it was marked, because like, I didn't have anything to do with the prep. I got there. I rehearsed for three days. I got in the van. And I remember like, very early on thinking, like something is not right with this tour, right? Because I was like, so where are we playing tomorrow? I don't know. We make a phone call. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> right? When you're in the van, driving west, you need to have a place to play because you need gas <laughs> and somewhere to sleep. <laughs> and so like, long story short, eventually this van breaks down after we made a little J around the country, and we're in Texas, and our van breaks down, and we find ourselves ri- renting a U-Haul truck, literally three guys in the back of the Cube truck, three guys in the front pulling a trailer all the way home from Texas. Um, uh, just so you know the back of those trucks are not air conditioned, so it was and it was about one hundred and five degrees outside at the time, so it was great <laughs> that didn 't go so well right and i think i th- 'm thinking of another trip right because because really, like i said it 's all about where am I headed and, and and you know um when I was a kid, we would drive down and visit my fa- family family in Florida and and, like, we'd be on 95, and then we'd get to North Carolina, right? And suddenly, on the side of the road, you would see these beautiful signs for the most amazing place. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. At one point, by the way, there was 250 of these signs, 250 billboards. And How many you guys remember those, <laughs> right? And so, as a kid, I'm thinking... This must be literally the best place in the world. Like this, I, I I just couldn't imagine. There was more signs for this than Disney World, right? I'm thinking like it must be like a Mexican Disney World, right? And so you see all these signs, you have all this buildup, only to shop here. <laughs> it literally looks like like. Oh, you, like, a, I don't know, a gift shop. Like, if, for those of you that have in actual Mexico, when you go to, like, Chichen Itza or some kind of... Like, that's what the gift shop looks like. It's, like, that quality. You, you, you shop here, and you get to sit here. Literally, if I told you, like, hey, guess what? That's a McDonald's in Indiana. You'd be like, okay. <laughs> you wouldn't think Mexican Disney World. You'd think, like, I need 250 billboards to get me in that room. And then you get to eat this. Yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not too good to go to those places. I'll shop there. I'll go to that restaurant. I'll even eat that. It's all good. Here's the thing. It's all about that buildup, right? And the journey it took to get there. You're going like, oh my goodness. Like, as a 10-year-old kid and parents are like, we're not stopping there. (laughs) Right? And you're just all love, all this buildup, all this buildup. And then like... You get there and you're like, this? This is what I'm eating? If you said to me, like, hey, in a mile, uh, there's some mediocre Mexican food and I'm hungry. You want some? I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like the journey, really, the value of that journey, the, the success of that journey it's really determined by your destination, right? The destination determines the sex, success of the journey. And so if you were telling me, like, we're going to be driving on the highway, we're gonna, and we're going to have this build up, and we're going to go to the best possible place, and then we ended up at south of the border, I'd be pretty bummed out. You know what I'm saying? And so that's how it is for our lives, too. Like, wherever you're headed is really de- determining how effective you are in your journey and how, the value of your journey and it, whether or not it's worth it. And that's what we're talking about today is, are we doing, are we living lives that are worth our time? You know? And I think that's something that Paul really mastered, you know? It was basically like, when he got saved, it was about 20 years before he was uh, executed. And in that 20, like, think about that. Some of us are like, well, 20 years ago, I got saved, and, you know, I hope to read through the Bible this year. Like, spent 20 years to read through the Bible. Paul change the world. And so, you know, Paul, um, for those that don't know, um, Paul was the principal figure in evangelizing um, the Gentile world. Um, Gentiles are basically non-Jews and Jews are Jews. And so at one point, um, really, um, Jehovah was like, hey, he's the God of the Jews. And really, um, Christ coming to the world is really him saying, actually, he's for everyone. And so that was this big revelation, right? And that was this big tension between the Jewish community and the Christian community because they kind of were stealing their God. And some people didn't really like it. Um, And it's why that big shift when Paul was like, uh, he became a Christian, it was like this big change in his way of thinking. He was suddenly like, his entire religion was flipped on its head but also clarified. So he was like, oh, this is what God was saying. Right, and so he so he gets on fire, and he goes to all the Gentile world, and he takes all these journeys and, and he you know if you don't if you want to get into this at some point, um, I encourage you, it's a really interesting stuff, but as you notice, his fourth trip didn't have a return because he was killed, but he had all these journeys, right, and he made all these relationships, and he's doing all this stuff, and we're really going to be kind of focusing um on a relationship he formed during his trip um, with a city called Corinth. Um, Pastor Phil has already kind of alluded to this relationship. Um, For those that don't know about Corinth, um, Corinth is basically like a coastal Las Vegas. You know, it was like this very wealthy city, a lot of um, just opulence. Um, They were a trade city and um, really a cultural center. And um, also, kind of like what goes on in Corinth stays in Corinth kind of thing. You know, kind of sketchy place. And so, um, Paul established a church there. You know, and I want to focus on this part of his um, journey, really. This, this little step, in his this stop in his journey, this relationship he had with Corinth. And, and um, see, most people believe Paul wrote the second letter to the Corinthians um, sometime during his third missionary journey. Um, basically, Paul planted this church, like I said, and 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 things had not gone so well, really. Like this church had kind of, you see, if you read First Corinthians, he's kind of telling them, like, "Hey guys, um, maybe you shouldn't let this guy sleep with his stepmom." That's pr- like literally, that's not a good thing. Even unsaved people don't do this. Like it's bad. And and then he kind of reiterates because there was people that were kind of. Because they were in a cultural center, right? So there's a lot of ideas. And so how many of you guys know that there's a lot of people with a lot of ideas? And they want to fill your brain with ideas. And so you're constantly having to make a decision, right, between what's right and what's wrong. And the Corinthian church had a similar situation. People are like, oh, the resurrection's ridiculous. That's not possible. You don't need that to be a Christian. And Paul's like, no, you have to. The, the resurrection is kind of like the whole thing you don't have the resurrection you don't have Jesus and so he has this, he writes in this first letter and um, he even talks about having orderly meetings you know they have these chaotic meetings and everyone's screaming and new people are showing up and they're like what is going on and they're like I'm leaving and so he kind of writes in this letter and he's like all right it's gonna be great nope didn't go so well and they were not impressed, right? They were not impressed. And so this second letter, that we're gonna talk about today, finds him kind of trying to defend his credibility, right? So how many of you guys know in your journey, you're gonna have, sometimes have to defend your credibility with people? And I, um, I just wanna encourage you guys, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with telling people why you should be able to speak into their life. You know, I think a lot of people kind of do this thing where it's like, you know, you know, you can choose. Can choose. It's up to you. You know, and like, I have no issue telling somebody, like, hey, the reason you should listen to me is because I've been there, I've done that. I've been where you are, I know what's up. And, and, and that's what Paul did in, in Corinth or in 2 Corinthians. Um, this church had kind of, they kind of were over Paul at this point. They were like, Paul, whatever, that dude, all these other people. It's funny, actually, Paul refers to these other preachers who had come in and kind of wowed them. He calls them the super apostles, sarcastically. Paul's very sarcastic, by the way. I um, encourage you, like, when you read his writings, um, one really effective way to read, especially the, um, Paul's writings, are read them out loud and actually put the right emphasis, because it's funny. He's constantly be like, these super apostles... Like, that's how you read it. And, and they were smooth talking. They were showy. They were wealthy. They were kind of like, that's what, like, you know when you see somebody and they're like, like, people go like, Mother Teresa, she's amazing. Nobody says, I want to be Mother Teresa. Never heard that. You know, I just want to like sleep on the hard ground with lepers and owning Nothing. No, everybody wants to be the preacher who also owns a jet. (laughs) And so I don't actually think this is too much different than today, where people seek to um, basically, with no real credibility, tell you this is the way to be, follow what I'm doing, you're going to get all this cool stuff, right? And so Paul's dealing with this head on, Um, Because Paul was meek, he was mild, he was uh, not rich, he was super poor, he literally was surviving based on the offerings of all these churches, um, which the Corinthians, by the way, were not a generous church either. In fact, there was a huge famine in Jerusalem, and they wouldn't even help um, provide food for the churches and the other Christians in Jerusalem. That's how stingy they were. And so, basically, these Corinthians had totally wrong values. In every way, they, they, the, I, he kind of he refers to it as, they were evaluating um, others in earthly ways. So they were looking and going, are you rich? And you say, Jesus, that's what I want. Not, what is your fruit? And honestly, what prices have you paid on your journey? Where are you going? Um, you know, and so they actually, its this is really funny when you look back on it. Can you ima- imagine this? They actually, like, requested a letter of recommendation to prove that Paul actually had a right to tell them what to do. They're like, show us uh, proof that you're worth listening to. And so this is Paul's response, and I think it's, it's really funny because there's a word I want to use today. It's called cruciform, right? And it means the shape of a cross, and... And Paul's credibility was his cruciform life. Paul's credibility was the way that he lived and where he was going in his journey. But he uses his journey to prove where he's going. And he tells them, like, look at what I've went through for the gospel and also for you. And this is what he says when, they kind of, when he's kind of defending himself. He says, um, and again, listen to the sarcasm. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. You know, he's saying, basically, I'm being a little sarcastic, but come on, let me do it. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools, since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or put on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we are too weak for that. You know, that's funny to me. (laughs) Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they the servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with smoke. like. Can you imagine any of these things happening to you once? Like we would never hear the end of it if any of you were flogged once. We'd be like, every week, like once a year, I'd have to tell my dad, like, hey, we've heard that flogging testimony a lot. Maybe we shouldn't put him on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, three times I was shipwrecked. Three times? Like, if one shipwreck happens in the news, we're going to hear about it for a week. We have this cruise ship floating there, and everyone's getting flied off in helicopters. I mean, it's like the front page news. This guy was shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Like, what? I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. Um In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Mic drop. This is a guy who's telling you what his journey is, right? And what he's been through. And his pain, his suffering, and what he's, what he's suffering. And he's really telling you, this is why I'm doing it, right? He's really saying, like, it's all for this. I would do it again. He didn't say, like, three shipwrecks wrecks is enough, no more. No, because he continued. That was in the middle of his third missionary journey. He had... He was still going. He hadn't had enough. So Paul uses his journey and his many sufferings to really illustrate and prove to the Corinthians that he did indeed have authority to instruct them in the ways of Jesus and because he lived it out, right? He lived it out, and he was actually pursuing the right destination. So when we look at Paul's life, we see this pattern of action, right? And you might be going, like, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with the right destination? Um, but we, because we, what we really see is a pattern of purpose in his life and, and, and a, like a willingness to suffer anything for that purpose. You know, why did he go through all this? Like, why did he go through all this pain? I mean, I think, you know, when we think about our suffering and the pain that we go through, uh, you know, I think the thing about suffering in life, is that what we really don't want is we don't want to suffer for something that wasn't worth it. Like, like the reason why that breakup hurts so much is because you, feel you, you put a lot of effort into something that didn't turn into anything. I'll just give them a second. Tell them you're at church and to meet you next week. <laughs> you don't want to suffer for, for something that's not worth it. You don't care so much about the... Like, honestly, like, if I was to tell you, like, hey, I want to chop your pinky off, you'd be like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll give you a dollar. You'd be like, no. <laughs> okay, 10. No? Okay, 10 million. Okay. <laughs> like... I'm sorry, you can take my finger for $10 million. Like, my wife would be like, what? Put your hand out there. (laughs) Right? And I think a lot of us have, when we look at our lives and we think about what we've gone through, I think the biggest thing, when we talk about regret, we don't regret what we went through, we regret where we ended up. We regret the result, we regret the reason. Like, why did I go through all this crap? Like, and, 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 I, and I do think there's ways of rationalizing and, you know, you can see, like, and people say this all the time, well, I wouldn't take any of it back. I am who I am today because of it. Again, though, that's destination conversation. I am who I am today because of this. You don't go like, I'm so glad that I've had so many sexual partners so great. No, you're like, I'm not living in shame about it, because who I am today, but you're not happy about that, you know, and and it's like, it's all about the destination. We can suffer anything if we're going somewhere that we want to be, and that's what Paul's really saying. He's like, this is nothing. All these things I went through, you know, why did he go through it? It wasn't, was it for glory? Was it for recognition? No, I mean, he told these people this because they didn't know it, he didn't show up and say, like, I am Paul. Here's all the things I've suffered for you. Please listen to me. They wouldn't be going, like, this guy's boring if he did that. He, he, I mean, he says it a lot. I'm just here to preach Christ crucified. He showed up and said, this is who Christ is, right? So he, wasn't, he didn't go through this so he could tell everyone and have a bunch of good stories. So then, then they would listen to him or think he's some kind of awesome dude. Um, he did it because he wanted to get there and tell them about Christ. His life was cruciform. His life was a life of sacrifice. It was shaped like the cross. His life was shaped around the cross. Everything in his life changed the day he understood the cross. This is Paul's life. He was driven by love. Philippians 121. For me, living means for Christ, and dying is even better. Think about that, that purpose, that destination. For me, living means for Christ. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather be dead and be with Christ, but I'm going to be alive because it helps other people. I'll live as long as he wants me to because I'm for Christ. But honestly, I just want to be with him. He even said, I live for you. I don't live for me. The second I met Christ, I want to go be with Christ. My life isn't about all the things it used to be about anymore. And so Paul's love for the cross, it caused him to embrace sacrifice. You know, Paul's purpose drove his path. Some of us, our, our path drives our purpose. You know, and there's nothing wrong with this stuff. But I want, so I want you to hear me like, I'm not anti, really, I'm not anti-much. Sin, I'm anti-sin. But there's a lot of things in our lives that aren't sin, but they can't be your purpose, right? Like, your purpose in life is not to go to work, Your purpose in life is not to raise your kids. It's not to be a good mom. If you're a Christian, that is. If you're a Christian, your purpose in life is to be like Christ and to be with Christ. And your path, your path is all those other things. How do I be like Christ today? I go to work. I represent Christ at my job. I do do excellent work. I serve my coworkers. I don't participate in office gossip. I don't participate in sketchy things at work. Like, oh, I'm going to raise my kids to know Jesus. I'm going to make Christ a priority in my home. I'm not going to teach them a bunch of worldly messages and things that are going to make them confused. But your purpose is not to raise your kids that's not a purpose strong enough to endure all the suffering it brings. I'm telling you. Like, it is hard to do, like, last night, I'm like, I'm preaching, and I'm just gonna get a nice night of rest. Get up and just be so refreshed, ready to bring the word. And my little human had, she just decided to scream. And you know when you're, like, holding a baby, you're like, oh, they're sleeping. And you get up and we have a mirror, right? Uh, is she sleeping mirror? Because you can't look at them. If you go like, and they see you, they're like, it's over. So if you're, if you're having babies and you're pregnant, then I encourage you, get out. Are they sleeping mirror? Which is like, you go like. Even if they see your eyes in the mirror. This is True. So I'm like, after 30 minutes of holding her, and she's like, (laughs) just laying there. She's like, I got what I wanted. (laughs) You in here now. That's what I wanted. Um, She's like, I'm not into sleeping. I don't have to preach. (laughs) So, you know, that seems like this great thing when you talk about, like, what a great life mission, raising kids. But if I don't have a personal mission of being like Christ and being with Christ, I'm not giving them very much. I'm not giving them something that they can take into their lives and actually build their lives around. I'm just, and and so that's why it can't be your, it can't be your purpose, When it's a part of your purpose to please the Lord, then you do something with excellence because you're doing it as unto the Lord. But when you do it for yourself, you make a lot of compromises because it's about you. And I think, and that goes with anything in your life. When it's about you, the compromises are so easy, they come easy, the justifications come easy because... There's nothing outside of you to tell you that that's wrong because it's all about you. And Paul, no one would do what Paul did. Do you think those super apostles would have been flogged once for the gospel, let alone three times? That's the big difference. They were actually better speakers than him. But they weren't willing to pay the prices he was willing to pay. Why? Because they had their destination, which was people thinking they were awesome. That's what they wanted. That's where they were headed, and they had it. And so why would they pay more prices? To have what they already have. Paul, he was going somewhere even past those people. So for him, it was all about being with Christ and being like Christ. And so any price he had to pay to please the Lord was like, Bible. he even says, consider it pure joy. That's good. You know? So remember we talked about this before. Your destination determines the success of your journey. So what if Paul had said like, I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. All so people would finally realize that essential oils are the key to wellness. (laughs) You would be like, that guy's an idiot. You would be like, if he said all those things, like I have been shipwrecked and flogged all because of essential oils. You'd be like... That was a crappy goal. Why did you do that? Why did you spend your life for that? That was stupid. Like, you know, I don't get it. What if you had said, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again because I'm destined to marry Ivanka Trump and no secret servant agent can keep me out of her house. (laughs) You'd be like, you're crazy, right? When people have crazy goals and they do things, we don't look at their actions the same way. The sacrifices and the prices that you pay are all about what you're getting them, doing them for. You can be a person who's into physical fitness and be totally vain. The, it can be actually a stronghold in your life. The same actions, the same prices paid, the wrong goal, the wrong destination. And so I want to get us to look past, because we're very much about the present moment in our lives, right? That's what we're about. We're very much about that as, as, as humans living in this world. And why not, right? That's what we could experience. And actually, Ecclesiastes really deals with this a lot, which is like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. You know, if you don't like your pillow, get a more comfortable pillow. You don't need to lay on an uncomfortable pillow and be like, it's for you, Jesus. <laughs> God doesn't care we have lunch. You don't need to pray about that. You know, he's even okay if you mess up, because that's what grace is for. You know, we're not talking about this perfect life or you never make a mistake or, or any of these things. What makes, whether it be the mundane things, the inconsequential things, or even the sins in our life, what makes them okay is where we're going. Because if all you want out of life is the sin, well, of course that, that's wrong. That's the difference between a Christian, by the way, and a person who isn't a Christian, is that their destination is things that don't please the Lord, and your destination is things that do. You know? And it's not that we're better than anybody, it's just that we have a different place we're headed. So, you know, the why determines the worthiness of the how. So Paul had a purpose worth giving up anything for, and, 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 and we see that that's how he perceived it. Paul's destination, or his, his life, was defined by this purpose, and this prices that he was paying. So I have a question, which is, are you on a journey worth dying for? Is your life worth dying for? When you look at what you're doing and you look at your purpose and you look at your path, are you headed somewhere? Like if you were honest, like is your life built around the cross or is it built around a bunch of other things? Because I promise you, if you're sitting here and you're feeling unsatisfied or frustrated by something, um, I do believe, by the way, the Holy Spirit's living in you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's living in you. And and he will tell you, like, hey, you got the wrong purpose. And a lot of times we're like, but that's not a sin. He's like, I'm not talking about the actions. I'm talking about the reasons. I'm trying to explain to you, like, the reason you don't like serving at church is because you care more if you get acknowledged when you're there than if people know Jesus by you being there. That's why that's frustrating to you. The reason why your marriage isn't fulfilling is because you don't care about being Christ-like to your wife. You just care about if she's nice to you. It's all about you. And so your actions can be exactly the same. But if your purpose is off, the way that you're going to feel it, the experience of those actions, because Paul's like, oh my gosh, I got flogged again for the gospel? Pure joy. This proves to me that I'm on the right path, that I'm going to the right place because I suffered this thing. If nobody ever rejects you because of your faith, if nobody's ever offended by you, if nothing ever happens that proves to you that you, and then by the way, I'm not encouraging you to go be offensive. Just like, oh yeah, I just told all these people that they were just going to hell and I was like, oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) Everyone hates me. You know, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying like, you're going to suffer some things for the gospel. Maybe it's like some of you have a real problem with pornography, and like by not looking at it, it actually is very hard, and, and it really challenges you, and you don't know what to do with your free time anymore, and you don't even know how to deal with stress. And that will be suffering, and that will be hard for you. If you have a sin in your life that's your crutch, uh, and, 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 we, and as Christians, if you don't have this sin, I encourage you to understand what it's like, to have something in your life that's a crutch, and how hard it is to not have it. And that is going to be a suffering that you go through when you put it aside. But if it's not willing, if you're looking and going like, the only purpose of not looking at pornography is to not look at pornography, that's not a very good goal. But if you go, I want to be like Christ, that suffering will be like nothing. When you think about it, when you orient yourself, when you get alone with Jesus, when you talk to other people who are pleasing the Lord, that thing you're giving up for Christ, that suffering you're going through in your life, that pain, it'll be like nothing. It'll pale in comparison to the glory of God. You know, anything done for the cross was gained to Paul. And Paul did this because this is what Jesus did for him. Paul knew Jesus, and he knew this is what Jesus did for him. This was the example Christ set. And so, and, and when we all look at Christ, um, the story of the cross is, is a story of sacrifice. You see, this journey idea, one of the things about it that's very challenging for people is like this idea of like living via, being a, an end in itself, right? Because life, to many people, is about self-discovery, Right? Every day I'm just learning, just growing, getting better. No, some days you get worse. Like, if you have no purpose and you don't purpose to get better, you will not get better because um, you'll just get fat. <laughs> like, that's what happens in life when you don't live with purpose. Not good things, bad things. So the older you get, the more physical force you have to exert even to keep yourself healthy. Right, that's just not logical to think like that. The point of life is to be alive, and just to self-discover. And, and no, the Christian journey, the purpose is all about self-sacrifice, not self-discovery. Like when you become a Christian, you discover Jesus. It's about Christ's discovery. Matthew is, is this a really famous passage? Some probably a lot of you can quote it by memory. And this is Jesus saying, like, hey, you're going to become a Christian. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up the cross, and follow me. Give up your own way. So, so some of you guys, you were Christian. You're, you weren't Christians. Maybe you, were, or maybe you weren't super committed to Christ. You kind of grew up. And one day you made a serious commitment. <clears throat> and before you were a Christian, you were, like, a good person, Right? And and like your way was like succeeding at your job, like, and like I've talked about before, being a good wife, being a good husband, being a good, whatever it is, being really good at golf. I don't know, but you had this way that you were headed down, and it was a good way, right? It was a good thing that you chose. And some of you, you were on some paths that weren't good. You were headed down a wrong path. Um, He doesn't distinguish though in that verse. He says, give up your own way. Give it up. It's a bad destination. It's the wrong way. It's going to be disappointing no matter what. Um, There's a great book called um, Prodigal Gods. It's like one of my top ten books. Um, And it's about idolatry, which I think is one of the most poignant subjects in American society today. Um, Any of you that has been around PTA Club knows this. You know that like the things that are little things become little gods to people, and 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 most of them are good things. And, and there's also a whole chapter about apocalyptic romance, and he talks about like this idea that like romance—if I get this one person in my life, everything will be, all my suffering will end. All I need is this one person, and he uses. You know, and I think like a lot of us, we have this idea of this one thing that we want, and if we get it, everything will be great and fine, and then we get it, and everything's not fine. And we still have problems, and we still suffer, and we still want, and we're like, oh, no, I messed up. No, that's great that you got that thing that you wanted. You just didn't want enough. That wasn't a big enough God for your heart. To endure your, what, this wasn't a, your journey wasn't a, that's part of your journey. That's not the destination. The cross is the destination. And he's saying like, hey, if you want to be my father, you're going to have to give up your way. Take up the cross. You know, he says, that if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. How counterintuitive is that, right? And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You know, this radical commitment and love for Jesus drove Paul to love what Jesus loved, people. Jesus went up to the cross and he did it because of his deep love for the world. And, And Paul got in that boat knowing that he could get in a shipwreck. He went to the cities knowing he could be flogged. He knew all these prices. He wasn't like, what's that? Whoa, you're flogging me? Whoa, I was not. I I was expecting you to like put like a crown on my head or whatever. No. And like a lot of us, like I'll say like, hey, I got this person in the church and they're they're really struggling with this thing. And, you know, the person's talking to me and I'm like, well, have you talked to them about it? And it's like, well, No. It's like, well, you just did it. You told me, so just do the same thing, but in their ears and not my ears. and You'll have us, you know, see what happens. And, and like, we're like, ah. Like that, we're literally not willing to pay that price to honor Christ, have an uncomfortable conversation. Maybe something more severe. I brought it up before. Some of us have an issue with pornography in our lives. What is, and you're like, I don't want to tell anyone because then they'll think I'm bad. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Chances are, like, a lot of people have the problem. Don't worry. You're not alone. Have a conversation. Let go of your pride. Move forward. You know, like, these are not things worth being your destination. You got bigger things to do. And if you want to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the life that Christ had for you, the bigger life. You know, the Christian journey is not self-discovery, but self-sacrifice. Like I said, your, your goal is not to learn more about yourself. Your goal is to be like Christ. And guess what? You'll learn a lot about yourself by trying to be like Christ. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you will learn very quickly that you are not like Christ. You will learn why you need the Bible. You will learn why you need prayer. You will learn why you need other Christians in your life. Um, you will learn that in the middle of all your sin and failure, that God loves you, that there's grace for you. So before I close, I want to speak towards one part of the audience. Those of you that think you're not really worthy to get on this path, you're not, you're not worthy to head towards its destination of total surrender and it's purpose of Jesus. You know, you're like, ah, I'm just, my path is too messed up. Made too many mistakes. Not smart enough, not good enough. You know, I'm going to get there maybe someday, but I'm, I'm not there today. And, you know, for anyone thinking you can't go forward because what you've done or who you've been, I want to remind you about Paul. I want to remind you about who he was and what he had been. So, you know, not only had Paul lived a life of serious sin Um, like we learned in this, Paul wasn't even a great speaker he wasn't impressive and so if you look at yourself today and you're like I'm not impressive, I'm a nobody, I got nothing you know you see a lot of you have paid some serious prices by the way for the path that you chose to walk for having the wrong destination in your life. You've paid some serious prices and you've suffered a lot and you have a lot of regret and a lot of fear about going forward and a lot of fear about all these different things. And see, the difference now is in the past, right? You had this pain, right? Because you had this wrong destination. But now you get to choose your pain and it gets to be pain with purpose. So when you suffer, you suffer because someone you love doesn't know God. Trust me, the pain doesn't go away when you become a Christian, but it becomes pain with purpose. As opposed to before when you were like, you'd wake up, you have a hangover, and it's like, why did I do that? You take on the burdens of Christ. You start taking on this pain and you realize, oh, my life has so much purpose because I'm headed towards Jesus Christ and the cross. And guess what? You're going to lay in your bed, and you're, going to be, you're not going to be filled with that shame. You're going to understand God's grace. You see, Paul, when he made this transformation, when he became Paul, um, he didn't start serving as like some, a lot of us are like, oh, I got I to gotta figure it out. I got to do all this good stuff to make up for all my bad stuff. It's like this karmic thing, Right? Paul wasn't atoning for his sins. He didn't say, like, i got to make it up to you, Jesus, because I killed a bunch of people, so I'm just going to add more people to your kingdom. He wasn't atoning for his sins. Paul was paying for his future. He didn't pay these prices to settle his debts with God. He paid for his future. And a lot of us we think we got to settle our debts up with God. We got to figure we got to go back and make up for all the things we did. And God's like, "I don't want you to pay prices for that. I don't want you to come down to the altar every single week and apologize for something you did 10 years ago. I want you to come down to the altar with a burden for what I want you to do tomorrow. This price that you're supposed to be paying is not God's like, "I'm done with that. That's under the blood. I'm done with your past." Let's start, pain, let's start suffering for our future, for the thing that matters, for our destination, which is the cross. See, there's no yesterdays for those who are under the blood. There's only tomorrow. And that's a fact. So, tonight I want to encourage you. I got really two groups of people that I believe God wants to minister to. And that's people that are ready to get on this path for the first time who are like, I want my life to be about Jesus. Maybe not the first time, but maybe you want your life to be about Jesus and, that's, and you wanna come down and receive prayer for that. And the second group is people who maybe you feel like you've kinda of fallen off the path, you've, had, you've been a little wrong headed in your destination and where you're headed and you wanna just reorient yourself um, if I can have the altar workers head up here. Um, and you want to reorient yourself. You want to get on that path. You see, today is an opportunity. Um, and it's just a symbol. Because ultimately, walking it out, and it takes that sacrifice and that discipline. And, and I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's just going to come easy for you. You're not going to have any prices. It's going to be whatever. But I do want to encourage you that when you're, walking towards jesus when you're trying to live that cruciform life the prices that you pay you actually can experience joy from them because you know that it means it works the gospel works i have a burden for my loved ones i'm sad that they don't know jesus why would i care about that if it wasn't god moving in my heart and my life what an amazing burden we get to share with god in heaven We get to share in his sufferings every day and so then we could share in his glory. So I want to pray for you guys and I just want to thank you so much for letting me um, share. (laughs) Thank you. Father God, we just pray in your name um, that we would be on the right, that we'd have the right destination in our mind. That when we plot our path, No matter what we go through, no matter what you have for us on our day-to-day basis, that we know, God, that we're headed towards the cross, that that's our purpose, that 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 is the destination that will make, no matter what we go through, worth it. And I pray in the name of Jesus for people who feel like they've just screwed up, that they've gotten on the wrong path, that the pain that they're experiencing today is just for nothing. I pray that they would let their past be their past, God. I pray that they would cover that in the blood today and that they would take on the future that you have for them. Um, I pray for anyone who does not know Jesus. I pray that they would come up here today and take on this lifestyle because, God, you have a plan and you have a purpose for everyone in here. You love us, you want us, and you want to use us. And I pray that people would experience that today, that they would know that God has a plan and a purpose for them, and they would embrace it. And I pray for anyone else, God, who just wants to come up and receive prayer. Maybe there's an illness in their home or anything like that. I pray that they would experience an encounter with Jesus today. In your name we pray.